KG, and this is not safe for network. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. What an excellent day for an exorcism. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. What's in the box? What's in the box? Montucky Skies. Welcome to Montucky Skies. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Full of turkey. Full of turkey? Yeah. Thanksgiving was upon us, and we destroyed those feasts, I'm sure. Yeah. I actually didn't overeat this Thanksgiving. I, like, willingly didn't overeat. I had seconds, but I didn't kill myself. <laughs> you know, I was probably there, but that's mostly for health reasons. Yeah. Uh, I had less honorable things. It was just like I didn't want to feel miserable the rest of the night. I have this tendency when I do Thanksgiving, I try a little bit of everything, and then I have a little bit more of everything. And instead of doing that, I had a little bit of everything, and then I picked like the three things that I liked best and had a little bit more and just forced myself to stop. It's and a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked out really well. I mean, we had leftovers and stuff too. So it's not like I really missed out. I just didn't get super fat. So that was nice. That's always good. Yeah. When you got a waistline like I do, you kind of, you got to haul it in from time to time. I like how you got the Christmas tree up. Yeah. And I noticed there's like a your Christmas tree has this like, big uh bulgarian mustache right in the middle it does i I didn't even notice that either (laughs) so funny thing about that um my wife is like she wants to get christmas decorations up the quickest that she possibly can and so we have a deal which is basically the day after thanksgiving we we will decorate for christmas and then it all goes down on new year's day or the day after new year's day for sure um, and so that that's like our deal. Cause I just don't want to be like decked out for Christmas for like seven months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's typically how it is at our place, except we don't have, didn't do anything yet. So, so we have this really shitty shed out in the back that like leaks. And I thought it just leaked in a few spots, but I went out to get the tree, uh, our old fake tree, which was also a, a bargain with my wife because she was wanting to get a new tree every year, and I hate it because it's just like no matter how much we water them because we have all the animals, they like drink all the water out of the tree, and so no matter what, it's super spiny and like hurts when you break it down. So I'm like, can we just do like a fake tree for like three years, and then we'll go back to a live tree for a year or two, and then go back to a fake tree? And she's like, that's okay. So we were on year three, but she actually really likes the fake tree that we had, and it had these Christmas lights built into it. So I went into the shed to get it. And that and all our Christmas decorations had like about six inches of water in the tub that they were in. I was like, oh, fuck. There's no way I can use these. Uh, maybe the decorations, but I just wasn't willing to like go through like this old stagnant water to like get them out and wash them off. So. I'm like, we're just going to have to get some decorations. So we figured out a budget right away. She went and found, like, the tree was one-third the price of the one we bought before. It's the same size, and it looks like it's, like, it's like fake flocked. 
but like she loves it like she absolutely loved it so it was a great deal for me because i got an extension on that like this is supposed to be the last year instead it looks like this may be our continuous tree which is a good deal for me that's a great way to go yeah yeah i'm a huge proponent of the fake tree yeah me too i just like it's look i get it with all the the real tree lovers it's fine but it just like it fucking hurts when you break that shit down the spines like all the little spiny needles just stick into your body and stuff when you're moving it makes a giant mess every time and ugh. yeah that and i'm just a cheap ass that has a problem paying eighty dollars for a decoration yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> i also have that problem but i focused in on the pain with my wife because that seemed to work and the cheapness never works with her <laughs> so. yeah we bought our fake tree the first christmas we were together so that was 2001 yeah, so you've gotten some mileage out of that. And we tree. paid twenty five dollars for it. Nice. We paid more than that for this, but uh inflation and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't notice but yeah, they they went and bought the decorations. I was hanging out with my mom, but I didn't notice a mustache until you did, so <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> it's like a mustache and like antlers right above it. Like maybe eyes, I'm not sure. It's fucking weird <laughs> it's kind of bizarre so over the holiday break i heard you saw a movie i did see it i actually saw it um before we were before he recorded but i was on the bigs on film and yeah and brandon brandon wasn't with us because we did that bigs on film for fargo which dropped yesterday so you know download to your heart's content and check us out on fargo but uh, I did want to walk back something I said on that because I fucked up and I meant to take it out and post and I didn't. But I made a comment. I was talking about how dumb criminals are in general. And I said even – I meant to say even white-collar criminals are stupid. They just have good lawyers. But instead what I said was even white criminals are stupid, <laughs> but they have good lawyers. So I wanted to walk that back in case anybody thought I was like – showing my alt-right roots no i'm not a white supremacist i just forgot to say caller that's all that was but so uh so you weren't with us because we recorded that fargo episode there was one one thing that i didn't say on that and was the uh because there was a couple of homages to bruce campbell on that one Uh uh-huh and the end scene where they're fighting over the car the chainsaw yes and yeah asked if uh what are you gonna do take a chainsaw and cut it in half yeah it was an homage to evil dead yeah Yeah. which which came out evil dead 2 came out the year that it was based in yeah i totally spaced that too and i don't know why i spaced that that should have been one right off the tip of my tongue yeah yeah all right so there you go an addendum to that (laughs) fargo episode retractions (laughs) yeah Anyway, so what'd you go see? I went and saw Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Okay, so we can talk about this a little more in depth because I realized when I went back and listened to the podcast, my mom and I didn't really talk about it. We just talked about where she would rank it in the Harry Potter verse, and we didn't even get an answer out of her for that because she does insist with me over and over again that like she doesn't rank things. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is the only reason I asked her to rank it because I wanted to put her on the spot. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew she wouldn't answer. But uh, so what do you want to say about it? Well, first off, I would actually put it number one in the Harry Potter verse. See, I've only seen, I've seen the first two beginning to end. And then I've seen like random 45 to hour long chunks and other ones, but I couldn't tell you which ones. I yeah. think there's one with like Phoenix that I saw like half of. Order of the, the Phoenix. Order of the Phoenix. I remember watching that and being like, wow, th- this is way better than the two that I saw. Because based off of the first two, I was just like, I'm not wasting any more time with these. But after watching that, I was like, maybe I'll go back and watch them. And I haven't done that. But I'm not ruling it out because I know my kids might actually want to sit down and watch them. So. Yeah, I've actually sat down and watched all of them. I It was one of those things when I was unemployed, just went through a binge of watching the whole all eight movies yeah might as well and they there was like a peak toward the middle i think uh uh goblet of fire was my favorite okay now okay i know i know that the speculation is that so there's going to be like five of these of these movies now the speculation is it's going to end where harry potter starts does that work out on a timeline? I, I don't know that deep into it. Yeah, so you don't know like about what year the first Harry Potter takes place in? Do you know like what decade maybe? I have no idea. Like not even slightly. I feel like it was right around 2000, early 2000s. No, no, no. I know when it came no. out. but No, but I mean it, it was supposedly real time. Oh, there's no way they're going to connect it up to the end of that then. There's it, no way. I don't know. It it was... I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I, I try and let it stand on its own legs. Yeah. Um, even though the first thing I did was rank it against the other one. <laughs> <laughs> That's our mentality right there. Yeah, like... There are two rankings that are very important. There's like the initial ranking when you come out of the theater, and then there's the ranking after you've had a couple of years to really like think about the flaws and, and like the cool things and like actually have perspective on the movie. That one will be like two to three years from now, probably. You know, the what happened in the most of the Harry Potter movies is they were pretty superficial as how they were presented. I mean, the story was out there. What was going on was pretty obvious. Um, there wasn't much depth. There was definitely depth in this movie, I got to say. And I thought Fantastic Beats had a lot of depth. I thought the there was a lot of political undertones that were yeah seemed really evident to there me. There was definitely like there was definitely an undertone of like talking about um like accepting gay people and letting them accept themselves. Yeah. Like I, I really felt like that with the whole thing with magicians that are uh, trying to hide who they are and not act out on it. Like it really felt like there was that through line. And then you add in that, like the witch who's sort of, or not witch, sorry. The, uh, the Christian lady who's suppressing them like is religious. And so it's just like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's like, and what I 
kind of have been thinking about was this supposedly takes place in 1929. When was the stock market crash? 1929. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> so right before. So, I mean, it takes place in the right same area. And so, the I mean, if you're not familiar with history, that stock market crash basically led to the Great Depression. Right. And there was a lot of political upheaval, which led to fascism, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really evident in this movie. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I had read some interviews with J.K. Rowling because she is a very anti-Trump. And so she wrote a lot of that anti-fascism into those stories. I I gotta say I was I was very having been a casual Harry Potter Potter watcher, and I I really when the commercials came out, I never even considered it. We never talked about it on the show. Like I just I never considered even going to the movie. And then my mom went and saw it, and she was like, "Oh, I'll take you guys to the theater if you want." Like in a text, and I was like. I think I spent a smiley face because I'm just like the rest of my family would probably want to go. So I'll just suck it up and not say anything. But I like I found myself enjoying it, you know, in spite of myself. Like I, I really did enjoy it. I thought that there was a lot. There was like underpinnings to everything. Yeah. That was there, which I really enjoyed. And uh, it made me think I got to reconsider the other Harry Potter movies. Uh, apparently this is way better than the Harry Potter movies, but I'll probably go and give them a watch now yeah. having like completed one that was pretty good. Like I really enjoyed that movie and I enjoyed that. You didn't know exactly where it was going. Like I was watching it and like, I didn't until two thirds of the way through the movie, I didn't really understand what it was leading up to, which I like looking back, there were signs of that, but like it wasn't super obvious, which I enjoyed too. I like watching a movie that's like a journey yeah, and going along for that journey rather than just like waiting for them to, to hit those points, you know? Yeah. And I think this one, um, made up for the last two movies. Cause I thought the last two were, <laughs> you were not so fan. bad. I know that the deathly hollows part one, you were not impressed with at all. <laughs> oh, like that's, like best part of three hours i wish i could have of my life back was that movie seriously three hours it if it wasn't it felt i know it was well over two hours jesus just and it was just them running and running and running and running (laughs) and running running. some more (laughs) something scary happens let's run some more yeah it it just drugs so bad you know it and i think it was the studio's decision to split that into two movies that really just drug that story out it's it's never a good idea like the mocking jay when i watched those last two parts it's like this would have been better as one movie and like cut out the fat you know what i mean yeah like I guess there was enough material to make two movies, but I think they could have made like a really good movie because the first two I thought were really good movies. Agree. And then the last two I was like, meh. Like they're. All I don't right. know if I've actually seen the second part of Catching Fire. I mean, it's as good as the part before, I guess. <laughs> I like you know, I wasn't I wasn't like I wasn't impressed. Yeah. Like just stacking it against the other movies you know it just didn't 
it felt too drawn out. I mean, the and there, I mean, there was great parts to it, but it's just for the most part, it goes like you would expect it to go, except like the love interest she went with. I was like, really? <laughs> You're going with the gaping mouth? Really? This isn't ugh. <laughs> so that I was not impressed with. But that's probably because it's like I don't know. I you know what I'm not going to get into that territory right now. Yeah, because I think we've talked about that one, and we've talked about uh, what was the last hot two Hobbit movies? Yeah, that they split into two. Yeah, or no, they took the whole book and made three movies. Out they of were it. they were gonna make. So the original thought was to make one movie, and then. Like Tolkien, or not Tolkien, because um, Tolkien really had no say because <laughs> he was dead. But, uh, uh, oh my God, Peter, Peter Jackson. King. Jackson, yeah. Peter King, <laughs> Monday morning quarterback. <laughs> wow, I don't know where I pulled that. <laughs> Sports Illustrated. Anyway, um, Peter Jackson was like, saying like, you know, we have enough material for two movies and the studio's like, how about three? Here's another paycheck. Ka-ching! And then, yeah, and then it became three. And there clearly wasn't enough for three. I think there was enough for two. Two, two. It would have made two good movies. I think there was too much for one movie. There definitely wasn't enough for three, though. No, especially how long they were. I mean, they were long. Yeah, it was like they, it was like, he was trying to get the length of all the Lord of the Rings movies off a of principle. And it's like, we don't need this off of one book. You're squeezing out nine hours for one. But I mean, Peter Jackson gave a mea culpa for it. So that's enough for me. I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to beat a dead horse. That's kind of what we're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we talk about some other franchises here? Sure. Okay. Let's talk about uh, Star Wars for a little bit. So Rogue One put out a trailer. Did you get a chance to see it? Uh, probably. It wasn't like anything earth shattering, but it was just more of me watching it and being like, yeah, I got a feel for what this movie is and I can't wait to see it. Uh, my wife, by the time the third trailer came out, she's not excited to see it. She doesn't think it'll be good, but she's going to go anyway. And I was like, well, you can go with somebody else. <laughs> I want to enjoy it. <laughs> No, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. It, like, it has everything so far. that There hasn't been anything that really has been like, oh, no, 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 no. Right. And it's, if we see Jar Jar, then just that's the end of it. I'm super <laughs> on board for the one shots. I really am. And uh, speaking of that, so Kathleen Kennedy said that there will be no sequel to Rogue One. So no Rogue One 2. I was looking forward to that just for no the Rogue comic two. element. No, no, no. Rogue One 2. <laughs> I think she said Rogue 2, but I think Rogue One 2 is better. <laughs> uh, she said it's because the sequel was already directed by George Lucas and it was called Star Wars, which makes sense. It leads into Star Wars, yeah. right? But I would like to to go back to the quote. So this is the most influential Maybe not influential, but one of the most important producers in Hollywood history. Like, just IMDb Kathleen Kennedy sometime and just pull out, like, 30 of her credits at random and just see how amazing it is. And then realize that, like, she said Star Wars and not A New Hope. Dude, in high school, we were right. Remember when we got all the (laughs) fights about, like, whether it was called Star Wars or A New Hope? 
Kathleen Kennedy says it was Star Wars. <laughs> we were right. So I just wanted to gloat about that for a second. In your face, Kirk. Kirk, we went to high school yeah, with. I know you're My old roommate, Kirk, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about Rogue Ones or Star Wars versus A New Hope. But uh, yeah, it's Star Wars forever. <laughs> uh that's all I really had to say about Rogue One. We're like, we're, I'm ordering my tickets tomorrow, so I guess they went on sale today. Yesterday. Oh, was it Because they were doing the, the Cyber Monday deal. Ah, wait, today's Tuesday, right? Yeah. Yeah. This will get out before midnight. I'm pretty confident. So, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> uh but if not, then Brandon was right. <laughs> it just depends on how quick I can turn this around. Do you have any thoughts on Rogue One? You wanted to I'm excited there? to see it. I I'm not quite sure what what it's about, but everything I've seen it looks looks like a fun ride. I think it's a war movie. I really do. Like I think it's your typical like suicide mission movie. Like you go in, they like give you that mission, like 12 of you go out maybe two of you come back <laughs> like maybe that's it we could potentially have the whole all the people die at the end of this movie do we get mission report december 16 1991 <laughs> maybe <laughs> <laughs> i just like i'm down like i want to see a war movie in the star wars universe i'm fucking down for this all the people that want like more light-hearted star wars don't worry Two years from now, you'll get your young Han Solo movie, and that'll be feel good, I'm sure. You know? Yeah. I just, like, I, I can't imagine that not being a feel-good movie. It's about two rogues from what we can see, like Lando and, and Han. So, eh, just hang on. I'm looking forward to seeing young Lando. Yeah. So let us have our dark Star Wars movie right now. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh Eddie Murphy, did you hear all the news that's coming out about him? It's not new; it's old news, but it just surfaced. Yeah, where he was supposed to be in what was it again? Star Trek for the Voyage Home. That's right. They were writing a part for him, and basically, it fell through because he was he was a big Star Trek fan is what they heard and so they wrote a part for him but it just became like dealing with managers and dealing with go-betweens and then eventually it just wasn't possible which the uh one of the guys who's working on the scripts like it was a nicholas myers uh script but i don't think he was the one talking about it because they have like multiple writers on these movies and it was so it was one of the guys who's probably doing a rewrite but he was saying that um this happens every time you try and get a big star to any movie. Like it's just it's it's yeah. a major pain in the ass and it's really hard to, to get anything accomplished. But apparently he had a whole thing and then when it it became apparent they weren't gonna be able to get him, they rewrote the script so that they just focus more on the character who is the whale biologist. But he was supposed to play an astronomer in the movie. So that would have been interesting. Like Eddie Murphy in that movie. That would have been like, interesting. I want to see that. You version. know, it's funny because that movie already, I think, was the funniest out of all the Star Trek movies. Yeah, not even close. Yeah. Maybe the next closest is like the 
Abrams Star Trek, like the first one. Maybe. Like, I can't think of any of them with the original crew that was funnier. No. And probably not with the Generations crew either. Like, there's funny moments, but... Like, Star Trek Four is a legitimate comedy. I think so. Yeah. And that's really the only one that was a legitimate comedy, I feel like. And then, so you go to the Abrams one. The first one was pretty funny, like a lot of it. And then... The second one is kind of dark territory, and the third one is like has funny moments, but there's a lot of reflective moments too. Yeah. So I would probably go like Star Trek Four number one, and then Abrams Star Trek number two. See, I'm already I'm ranking. I'm right <laughs> back to ranking, dude. <laughs> but Eddie Murphy would have been perfect. It's like the perfect tone for like an Eddie Murphy movie already. Yeah. And he could have wound up with the girl at the end. Like Eddie Murphy always winds up with the girl. He could have cock-blocked Kirk. Boy, <laughs> say that seven times fast. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, have you caught up to uh, on Ash vs. Evil Dead? No! I meant to, uh. but I had to edit the Alien Movie Project today, so... I didn't get a chance. Am I like two episodes behind now? No, there wasn't one last week. There was one. So I'm still just one episode behind then. Yeah. So you haven't seen the Asylum episode yet? I saw the Asylum one. That's the last one. Oh, really? Where he's in the insane Asylum? Yeah. And then he like kind of leaves to kill his friends at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm caught up. (laughs) (laughs) There's not one since then? No. Oh. Yeah, I'm totally caught up. What'd you think? I thought it was a weird twist to that that series. Yeah, because it it was it seemed way darker than a lot of the it has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought it was kind of interesting. And then just I thought they did a really good job with the is this real is this not if is is this in his head or what's going on yeah i mean you know it's not in his head but at the but same they time, give you like there's really you're not completely certain it's not in his head either i mean i am but i hear what you're saying like they do a good job of like setting it up like you could understand why he would turn right yeah yeah like, I, I get that, but I mean, still, I just, I know it's in his head. Yeah. It's not, <laughs> or when I say it's in his head, I know they're fucking with his head. Let me rephrase yeah. that. But I like it because it was more of a horrific turn. And like, that show is good about that. Like, in season one, they were like mostly funny, but every now and then they take that horrific turn. Like, the one I'm thinking of in particular is when he goes back to his cabin, uh, the cabin where all the shit went down in the first two movies. And like, that's just like a horrific episode. It's not funny at all. Like it's just yeah. fucking like emotionally grueling and like horrific. And, uh, they're heading towards the end of the season. So it makes sense that they like make that turn again. I like it. Cause you got to keep the horror alive somehow, you know? Yeah. And you know what I thought was kind of interesting is cause they set it up so much that it, it gave a real look at if it wasn't Ash being or Bruce Campbell being Ash, 
like this is pretty grisly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, and they did. I mean, you could see how like you could make somebody question themselves because it is insane what he's doing, <laughs> right? I mean, like every part of it is insane. Nothing makes sense. So yeah. And the show does a good job of like making it fun and just keep plowing forward so you don't think about that too much. <laughs> but like you see how other characters could feel the way that they feel about it, you know? Yeah. But it's nice to like explore that even more like they are. So keep at it, guys, because the stuff you're putting out is pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um Going into another franchise here. So Ivan Reitman, there's not a lot of, of of meat on these bones, but like we could definitely talk about it. Ivan Reitman recently said there's going to be many other Ghostbusters movies. They're just in development right now. So there's been question as to whether the studio would green light another Ghostbusters movie because while the Ghostbusters reboot was successful. It wasn't um, as successful as they would have liked. So what do we think this means? Do we think this means like more with those four? Do we think like the male Ghostbusters we started hearing about with like Channing Tatum, is that going to be a thing? Like, I don't know. What do you suspect? You know, my gut doesn't even have a real reaction at this point. Because there was so much vitriol against that movie. Yeah. And so it's it's hard. I mean, I would love to see that crew again. Me too. Because, I mean, I thought they really scratched, barely scratched the surface on some of the comedic stuff from that crew. Here's what I'd like to see them do. Like, that was that was like around a $100 million movie, right? 120 i think yeah like make like a 60 million dollar one like just half the budget you don't need it yeah you really don't need it like just half the budget cut back on the 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 cgi stuff that people didn't really enjoy that much yeah like i i just think like if you cut the budget and like make the sequel like i think People who are fans of it will go and the expectations aren't so fucking high that like the movie has to like just perform super big because I really like that cast. Um, And my daughter, like to her, those are her Ghostbusters. They really are. And so I don't want to see that get taken away. But at the same time, it's like that never should have been a hundred million dollar movie. No, there was so much bloat in that. It really... I think it took away from a lot of intelligent writing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to like when, go against when they, the when writers were, necessarily. It's just like... Well, I, when you're writing to fit in this big, colossal CGI scene, I think it really distracts from good comedic writing. Yeah, that's fair enough. I mean, like the original Ghostbusters, it's not... They have special effects, but it's not a special effects driven movie. By no, any, like it's a character driven movie, and then the special effects kind of come out as they're needed. But you're right; there are there are scenes of that, as with most temple movies, where it feels like they like CGI'd a big scene, and then they're just like, "Okay, we have to get to the scene," 
Which um, actually, um, this uh, this cool lady I work with, Esther, was, and I say lady, but she's younger than me <laughs> by, by a few years. But uh, she was telling me that mm-hmm. with uh, the Avengers, some people who were working on the CGI with Joss Whedon were shocked because Joss Whedon was like talking to him. And he's like, okay, this is what I would like you to do for the CGI. And they were like flummoxed because... And they loved it, but like they said before, they would just have them do CGI scenes, and then they would write the script to meet the CGI scenes. And Joss Whedon actually like had an idea of what he wanted to do. He and wrote so, the scenes and added the CGI to match it. Yeah, exactly. Like had him had him map out the scene. That's an insane way to write to me. Like, and I don't know if other Marvel movies have done it that way too, the way Joss Whedon did it or the other way, but like, that's crazy to me that you let the special effects people like come up with these scenes and then you're like, how do we shoehorn this into our movie? Exactly. That's just crazy to me. That doesn't make any sense. So I don't know. I've never made a big budget movie. I should say. (laughs) (laughs) So. I'd like $120 million to try. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Give it to I mean, I, I'm not guaranteeing it won't be another Trank wreck, but it would be fun to try, right? <laughs> do you think like they'll do like another cast of Ghostbusters? Do you think that's a real possibility? I think it's a possibility, but I, I wouldn't write off this cast yet. Because I, I think there were a lot of people that did like this cast. Yeah. I think if you just half the budget, that like solves all your problems right there. I really do. I would agree with that. If you get like 75% of your audience and you halved your budget, you got a legitimate hit. Yeah. But they're always swinging for the fences, these movie companies. They're swinging for the fences and then claiming they lost all their money when they do their tax returns. <laughs> That's... Thud, thud. Thud. <laughs> yeah. Is this Sony? Is that Sony that makes it? Is it Paramount? Trimount? I, I think it was Sony. Sony? Yeah. Sony, get your game tight. <laughs> Come on. Um, I did see over the break, I did see uh, Independence Day Resurrection. What'd you think? It was fun. Like, it was, it was what I wanted it to be. Which was just a lot of fun playing with aliens. Did it help that I couched it for you before? Is like, watch the original one. If it holds up for you, it's pretty much more of the same. Yeah, but not to the level I think the original one was. Now, I mean, a few sequels are. No, and and I would agree with that. Um, And it just kind of, it felt like there were, if they could have added a couple of different things or changed a few things, it would have been a lot better. If we would have seen uh, Bill Pullman give a speech like he did in the first one, <laughs> yeah. we're like, because it, and it was, and actually, I'm stealing some of this from honest trailers. Okay. Um, but they were honest points where you just like, you want to hear him speak. And then he has a stroke on stage, basically. <laughs> yeah, that was a bummer. <laughs> Cause I, I know the speech he gave in the first independence day was spectacular. Yeah. 
Well, let me tell you, if you saw him like a couple rows ahead of you, (laughs) he gave us a speech afterwards. So I guess maybe I didn't feel that emptiness because like he gave us a speech after the movie. (laughs) So I still got my Bill Pullman speech. (laughs) For those of you who forget when we did the episode last summer, uh, Bill Pullman actually like was at a theater in Whitehall because apparently he lives in Whitehall at least part of the year. And uh, I went and saw a screening that he did that was it was a fundraiser for a school in Whitehall. And so I got to ask him a question that my daughter asked, and he was super nice. Like, fucking real stand-up nice guy. So and it was worth being in a fucking studio or not studio but movie theater without any air conditioning. Oh, it was so hot there. It was so hot, man. But it was also worth it because popcorn was like a dollar fifty for like a tub of popcorn. That's always nice. Soda was like a buck, and I was like, wow. Was it like this when I was even a kid? (laughs) Like I don't think it was even that cheap. God, it's so weird because. Every once in a while, I'll be in Anaconda and catch a movie at the Washoe Theater. And it's a big, like, 1930s Art Deco theater. And the popcorn's a dollar. The soda's, like, a buck twenty-five. Yeah. You pay, like, a nickel to sit in, like, the second balcony. (laughs) There's, like, this little old lady that collects nickels. (laughs) But it's... And I... Because I lived in Anaconda for a few years when I was younger. And so it, it, me going to the movies, that's what I'm used to. And then I go like to a, a bigger city in Helena or in Montana and pay normal theater prices. It's like, Oh, $8 <laughs> for a popcorn. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I remember seeing this comic when I was in high school that, uh, it showed, it showed like, the, it showed the ticket stand and then the concession booth and then next to it there was a counter that said concession booth loans <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's so fucking true <laughs> it might have been true life adventures I think that might have been the strip actually yeah. now that I just had that fall out of my head uh, yeah and I was having this big conversation with my mom and I was, which touches on something I was literally just saying, but she was like, yeah, I guess the concession prices are so expensive because the movie ticket prices like that all goes to the theater. And I'm like, yeah, that's what they say. But these are also like the movie theater, like these, these are the movie theaters we're trusting when they like, they're only working like two or three people at a time. A lot of the time when you're going and it's like 13 bucks for your ticket. And I'm like, that's a lot of overhead to be charging like $8 for a popcorn that costs them around 50 cents. Like that's a lot of money for all that upkeep when you consider like a sold out showing. And she's like, yeah, but they have to pay for each show. I'm like, yeah, but if you do that math, that seems like that works out in the theater's advantage quite a bit. And then we're talking about movie companies that say they have to charge 13 bucks a ticket but like at the same time they're always operating at a loss like i don't believe that they're operating at a loss which means i don't believe that movie theaters are always operating at a loss either like i saw the myrna loy keep their doors open and they only had like four or five people in the movie theater sometimes you know 
So I have a hard time believing the Cinemark needs to charge like, you know, seventeen dollars for your typical movie theater meal. <sighs> Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> That was Brandon saying that, by the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, away from my rage on movie theaters for a moment. Uh, we'll probably go see Black Panther. That's probably safe to say, right? Yeah. So Angela Bassett is set to play T'Challa's mom in the Black Panther. Uh, her name is Romanda. Romanda? I'm going to say Romanda. That sounds right. Sounds all right. Yeah, why not? I've only read it in comic form, so they don't necessarily like put the phonetic sayings for you in a comic book. But uh, she's going to join the cast of Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Lupita Nyong'o, Andy Serkis, and Forrest Whitaker. So they assembled quite a cast That's for that movie. A quite a cast. I mean, you got some Academy Award nominees and winners in that list. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I think Lupita won an Oscar, right? Yeah. Has Andy Serkis won an Oscar? I Did they don't have one know for that. motion capture? Probably not. He might have won one for something with special effects, so I've heard he's directed some special effects. So Yeah. But Forrest Whitaker. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. He won for uh Yeah Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Thank God we don't have that poster <laughs> up anymore. Just him like looking down at us like he's going to kill us at any moment. Yeah. Every time I stated a wrong fact, I was waiting for him to like sick his guards on me, <laughs> throw me to the dogs with an open wound. <laughs> uh, Kevin Feige also was saying some stuff in the press recently. So, uh, in lieu of all the cooperation that Marvel and Fox have been going through, you know, that, that became a story a couple of weeks ago because they worked together on that TV show for the X-Men and they worked together, like they traded a character for Deadpool and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So somebody asked if there is a possibility for an Avengers crossover with the X-Men. What do you think he said? I'm hoping he said anything's a possibility. He said, that's funny you said that, because he said, it's an impossibility at this juncture. We certainly have a number of films to keep us busy for a number of lifetimes. So, to me, that reads like, no way in hell. Yeah. Like, until X-Men give up, or until Fox gives up the X-Men, no. No. (laughs) That's how I read that. So... No hope of that happening. I'm fine with that. You know That's what? a lot I, of characters. I'm actually kind of okay with that. Kind of. If Marvel could take over the X-Men, they could put out some great X-Men movies. Yeah. Um, my problem would be if they tried to shoehorn them into the Avengers like they do in the comics. I think it's too much. I feel like they've already found a way to like work all their characters in and there's so many characters it's like how many fucking characters do you need you know but one thing I will say is uh, lately so I got the Marvel Unlimited app I've been reading an insane amount of comics like I've had it for six weeks and I've read 114 comics in the six weeks I've been like going through like 
just massive runs of stuff. I've been going through the new Avengers that Brian Michael Bendis wrote because he's one of my favorite writers. And that's like branched me off into all these other ones because, you know, lots of people are Avengers. But my favorite group of Avengers so far is one that Brian Michael Bendis was writing, which was like Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, Wolverine, um, uh, Luke Cage. I'm probably missing. Oh, and Spider-Woman. Like, that is the best Avengers group that I've read. Like, it's so much fun with those characters. And, like, that's just not possible because of Wolverine with Fox to do that now. But, like, it was a lot of fun. Like, I was just reading one today that um so in the in the comics bucky barnes eventually takes over for cap at least for a while i don't know if i don't think he has anymore but for like a good 10 years in the comics he took over for cap and uh he's got his hideout and so all of the (laughs) all the other avengers are staying there this is back during that run when like norman osborne is running shield basically yeah hammer and they just had like that. What I love about this is just the little subtle shit that Brian Michael Bennis puts in about like how they're roommates. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like not in a mansion either. They're just like roommates, and so it's really entertaining. So like he comes home, and you see like you see Cap walk over to the toilet, and he looks, and there's like clearly urine all over the seat. <laughs> And then he walks into the living room and he sees Wolverine pass out on the couch with like open beers everywhere and like snack food packages all over the place. And the rest of the comic, every chance they're trying to talk about whatever serious thing, fighting a supervillain, he keeps going like, can we talk about picking up around here? And like nobody even like listens to him. (laughs) You can tell he's getting really pissed. And then they have this other thing where like, it's right right after the scroll invasion and so like they don't know who's an alien and who's real so at a certain point they they basically tell spider-man he's got to unmask or he's got to leave and so like spider-man reluctantly finally unmasks and everybody sees he's peter parker which means nothing to anybody except luke cage's wife jessica jones (laughs) who went to high school with him and had a total crush on him. <laughs> and so she mentions it. So Luke Cage is like on the verge of just like toppling him at any moment because he's so pissed off about it. <laughs> it's just like really funny because like it's not important plot points, but it's those little subtle things that make it fun. And Spider-Man has that whole thing of like, it, I never really thought about it until I saw the Civil War movie because they did get it so right with Tom Holland. But, like, he's just kind of annoying in that. Like, I don't mean, like, I don't enjoy the character. I totally enjoy it. But, like, he, it's almost like he has social anxiety. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's just fucking annoying and, like, runs off at the mouth because that's probably why nobody liked him in high school. So he probably just talked too much. And so, like, it was entertaining, like, reading that because, like, he's sitting there talking to Luke Cage and he's just saying, like, too much stuff and just can't, like, can't stop <laughs> saying it because he's n- more and more nervous around Luke Cage. And Luke Cage is like, you better land this Quinjet now or I'm going to knock his ass out. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great, man. Just that dumb stuff. And, like... That is like the Avengers team that I would really love to see on screen, but we just can't because of Wolverine. It's just not going to happen. So that's kind of a bummer, but 
because Wolverine did add this element to the group where like he can kill and he doesn't have a problem with it and they all sort of know that and they're okay with it in a way. <laughs> yeah, they kind of let him do the dirty work. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Like we'll keep our hands clean if he's got to do something. We know that. But he's also like the slob who just doesn't give a <laughs> shit. Like and everything I've ever seen with him totally like totally just says that like he's always got huge sideburns he's always got a five o'clock shadow he's always drinking a beer smoking a cigar you know what i mean yeah like that's wolverine he just doesn't give a fuck just a total slob (laughs) uh should we hit another some more franchise news while we're hitting them all let's do it all right ridley scott uh announced that alien covenant has been moved up to may 2017 uh, Scott promised that it will move the events of Prometheus closer to Alien. Um, and so they just released a poster today, and it shows a xenomorph that simply says run at the top of it. So we're getting a, a bona fide Aliens movie, it sounds like. Nice. Yeah, so I'm kind of happy about that. It'll chill out some people who had a problem with it. Uh I had an interesting conversation with Aaron Donaldson about Prometheus because he put one out for the Alien movie project. Uh, they they did Prometheus, and so we talked about it a little bit. Like he really didn't like it when he saw it in the theater, and then when he rewatched it, he really liked all the other themes that were in it and enjoyed exploring them once he knew what it was. And I was just like, "Yeah, I already knew because we we're covering the yeah. contest, and I knew it wasn't going to be Xenomorphs." So. It was sort of interesting. I went back and listened to our impressions talking with Adrian. And, like, some of the stuff that I sort of, like, discounted Adrian when I watched it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, Adrian was totally right. Like, he got – he was wrong going into the movie more than us because he really thought it was going to lead directly back to Alien. But what he saw on the screen, he was totally accurate about. And I was just, like, stupid and didn't see a lot of the stuff that he saw. So that's kind of interesting going back and listening to those episodes. You were annoyed. You didn't like that movie at all. <laughs> I have never been a huge fan of the Alien franchise. One thing I got to say, though, because I... So what I did was... Uh, that being said, I've seen a lot of them, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of impossible to ignore. Um, I When I went back and cold you know sound bites for the episode i was like oh yeah so i sat down and watched the movie again something i gotta call you out on you were so wrong about this you said like it was not visually stunning you're like i wasn't impressed i've seen better like i watched it again dude that is the most impressive special effects like whether you like the movie or not it is just like the designs and everything are so amazing in that movie i can totally understand not liking a, a movie because of that like, I think that's valid, but dude, just look at like any five minute clip from that movie. Again. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. The, the, the amount of detail they do on the sets and stuff. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to defend something for five years ago. No, that night. I, I don't care to watch it again. To. <laughs> validate my points if there are there they're not there (laughs) (laughs) i totally get it with you said other stuff about the movie that i thought was totally valid that was just the one that stuck out to my ear i was like 
at the time I was like, you're out of your mind. And then I just watched it again before mm-hmm. I listened to the podcast. I was like, yeah, he was out of his mind on that one point. I think he just wanted to hate on it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which I get. Um, so it's Super Tecmo Bowl turned 25, I think, last week. Yeah. Did you play that game much? I played it a few times with you when we were kids. Yeah, at my house. Yeah. <laughs> I love Super Tecmo Bowl. So they put up a game for the Michigan Wolverines and the Ohio State Buccaneers. Or Buckeyes. Buckeyes. Yeah. and uh, The Wolf- Ohio State Buckeyes. Thank you very much. Yeah, whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Watch college. But they won 35-16 to 16 in a simulation of Super Tech Mobile. Dude, that game, I love that game. Like, I... They need to, like, put that out again. I... It's such a great game because it's so unrealistic in the best way. It just is like, it's crazy. Like Bo Jackson is like the single best video game sports character you could ever play in that game. Like he just runs. Have you, they did that family guy. Did you ever see the family guy thing that they did? Yeah. I saw Cause I was reading all this stuff, like talking about the game turning 25 and so they had this thing on like Family Guy where like Peter's going to ignore or annoy Quagmire while they're playing the game. And so he picks Bo Jackson and he like he starts on the one yard line and he runs all the way just short of the goal and then turns around and runs all the way to the very back of his end zone and then runs all the <laughs> way back into like like score a touchdown to run out the time on the clock for the quarter. <laughs> and like they use actual super tech mobile footage of it, <laughs> <laughs> but it's hilarious, dude. Like that game was just crazy. And I was reading some interviews with the designer of the game and he wasn't a football fan, but like he wanted to have the, make it look like football and like having the correct amount of people and things like that. But then they basically just decided that there was going to be kind of like superheroes for for a bunch of the teams, and so they would just pick them. So there's players like Christian Okoye. Like, I remember Christian Okoye on the Chiefs, like, and I remember him because of Super Tech Mobile, because people just fucking bounced off of him when they hit him. <laughs> like, they'd go to tackle him and just, like, fall over on the field. It was so much fun, man. And the 49ers, I remember I had Joe Montana. Oh, this used to piss my dad off. Because he could never really get it in his head that it was just a game. And not realistic in the least. And so I would like be on the one yard line. And I would go all the way to the extreme corner of like of the, uh, the end zone. And then I would wait until just before I got hit. And then I would pitch out a 120-yard pass. <laughs> and Jerry Rice would leap up and catch it in the end zone. Like, literally a 120-yard pass. My dad would always be like, you could never throw a football even half that distance. <laughs> like, he's getting so mad when we played it. <laughs> but he never got, like, it was just a game. Dude, I used to, like, replace Joe Montana with Steve Young all the time. <clears throat> whose stats were like way less than Joe than Joe Montana's were, but like Steve Young was a starter at the time because he got injured. That like Joe yeah. Montana got injured at the end of that season. So I used to play Steve Young, who's like far inferior to Joe Montana, and still I could do the 120 yard pass to like Jerry Rice. 
is beautiful. <laughs> Why can't they make more games like that? You know what I mean? Like, they're trying to make them more and more realistic, which is fun to a point, but like, give us our unrealistic games. Remember NFL Blitz? I loved NFL Blitz. Yeah, that was like, NFL Blitz was like the evolution of of uh, Super Tecmo Bowl, I think. Yeah. Like, Tecmo Bowl was like fun, but there was only four plays, so it got kind of annoying. And then Super Tecmo Bowl is like, well, we'll do eight, but you can choose from 64. You know, and then like NFL Blitz was just like, yeah, we're just going to have like insane violence, <laughs> like everything. <laughs> Maybe that's why they can't make NFL Blitz anymore. It's because the NFL is trying to like distance themselves from like concussions and shit like that. But NFL Blitz is great, dude. It's so unrealistic. That was, that was a fun game. I used to play it with Greg at Aladdin's Castle. And we would always have games that were like 56 to 49. Like every single time. It was just like whoever got to score the last touchdown won the game. Yeah. Yeah. NBA Jam was super fun. Really unrealistic. I remember uh, Double Dribble. Double Dribble. <laughs> it's funny because you said the uh, Family Guy thing about Tech Mobile. Uh-huh. They did one with uh, Double Dribble. What'd they do in that one? They... Uh, the guy go up and like from the very corner of the court and hit the corner three. Oh look, corner three! <laughs> oh, what's it gonna be? Corner three. <laughs> the only thing I really remember about like about double dribble was like being pissed off that Portland wasn't a team because it was all like all the teams were like New York and they had like Knicks colors and they had Boston and they had Celtic colors and stuff like Chicago and they had Bulls colors. And I was like, where's the trailblazers? <laughs> because it was the eighties and nobody gave a shit about the trailblazers except for me. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it always upset me that they didn't have it in that. Uh, was there any other sports games you really loved? Like eight bit sports games that you can think of? any nintendo ones i love the ice hockey yeah that game ice hockey where you start out pick like you basically picked between you got four ice hockey players and you had like the super fat guy that everybody would bounce off of you had the skinny guy who was super fast but got knocked over way easy then you had the middle guy who could uh he was he was a balance right yeah like, what did you do for that game? How did you pick? Can you remember? God, that? I can't remember that. I don't remember that game that well. Yeah, I was always like, fat guy, thin guy, two mediums. That was my recipe for success. <laughs> did you play, like, super volleyball? I did play super volleyball. The beach one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> where it had the double dragon guys. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah, Billy and... uh Jimmy Lee? Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah, Billy Lee and Jimmy Lee. <laughs> I love the way Nintendo did that too. They're just like, ah, we'll just put this other character in it who has no place in this game. <laughs> oh, Punch Out? We'll make Mario the referee. <laughs> it's my all time favorite sports game. That's not in question on this. Is there any other ones you can think of? Were you an Excite Bike, Excite Bike fan? I played a lot of Excite Bike. I didn't play any of it. I think I just liked building tracks more than anything. Okay. 
Because I think I played the track builder more than I actually like raced because the racing was kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> what about pole position? Did you like pole position? No. Yeah, I, I liked it in the arcade when I was real little. I think I only liked it in the arcade because you actually got to like a steering wheel. Yeah, yeah. And I a pedal. <laughs> it's the closest you can get to driving when you're five. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about, all right, speaking of racing games, what was the one where like, you're like in a convertible and you got like a you're like a guy driving along without a shirt and then you got like a girl with a bikini next to you. The cruising USA. Yeah, that's the one. Cruising USA. Did you like that game? Yeah, I was pretty good at that one. I wasn't good at it, but I liked it. But it frustrated me that I wasn't good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only reason I didn't like it because I think it was one of those games that ushered in the multiple quarter. Yeah. Because I think it was like 50 or 75 cents. Yeah, it was impossible to finish the game without feeding more money, pretty much. Yeah, I that's what I remember the death knell of the arcade games was like when you would walk in and they'd all be racing games that like costed a buck fifty to even start. And yeah. It's like, no wonder video games went away. You guys got greedy, you know? Yeah, it was hard spending more than a quarter on a game. <laughs> it really was. Like, I had a dollar. I was like, I, still to this day, man, if I have a dollar and there's like Pac-Man, I'm like, fuck yeah. I know I'm guaranteed like at least 20 minutes in Pac-Man. You know, I'm going to get my money's worth, even though I could probably download an app for free somewhere. Yeah. There's just um, something about that joystick. When I was a kid, they had this... uh mom and pop pizza joint where i lived yeah and they had one of those uh tabletop yeah where so it was, was like it donkey kong pac-man or dig duck or joust those none are... of the above oh really what was it it had a game called blueprint on it i've never even heard of this game you were like this guy in like uh the story was the guy kidnaps this girl and you had to build this machine to like build this guy so you had to like break into ha- it's sort of like pac-man where you had to avoid guys and go in like go along paths and go into a house find a part and get back to your machine build it and go get another part okay so it was really challenging um i believe it was a commodore 64 game okay because i remember we actually had that game for the commodore 64 and we had that one and i think uh there was one called wizards and warlocks oh yeah i remember that game it was a fun (laughs) game do you remember they had an arcade um they had an arcade game where you're like you're basically a knight and you had kind of like chain mail and you had like a dome head and like it just had a button like i don't think there's even a joystick it just had a button but it almost played out like a cartoon and then at certain points you'd have to hit the button to like nope i want to go left instead of going the way i'm going or like just things like that you just hit it in time and so i wasn't very good at it but fuck i cannot remember the name of that game i saw somebody had like the whole thing on youtube like (laughs) the whole thing and i was like looking at it and it was like okay that looks like shit now 
But fuck, that looked good for an 80s game. Like, it was like, it looked like it was completely cut scenes from like games in the 90s almost. Wow. Yeah, it was very impressive. But, I mean, back in the 80s, when you think about it, the arcade games were always better than the Nintendo and Sega Master System games. Like, always. Yeah. They're just like, they had more processing power and the games were just better. Like, I remember, I don't know how many times I would like, get the Nintendo game and be super excited because I love the arcade version and just be like, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Like the worst, the worst one I remember was uh, Pac-Man for Atari. I remember my friend got Pac-Man for Atari and we we're super excited and like the sounds were different and the whole thing was different. And I'm just like, I remember as a kid being like, how do you fuck up Pac-Man? <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, my cousin had this uh, one, like a little portable game. And this was early 80s, like 82, 83. And it ha- it was just Pac-Man and had a joystick on it. it. was the only thing it had on it, just like the Pac-Man arcade. And it was so terrible and so <laughs> hard to do. Yeah. I mean... I think, personally, I think Pac-Man is hard to me. It just, I never could really get the rhythm of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But that alone, and then, like, terrible controls and was just infuriating. Like, you get, like, 30 seconds into a guy. One of the tricks with Pac-Man that a lot of people never realized who aren't good at it is like you can pick your direction before you get there like i notice a lot of people panic and they wait until they get to the turn and try and turn and so sometimes they miss it but like you can just hold up and like you'll turn up when you get there you know what i mean yeah and so like that's like a key thing to pac-man i think it's like a subtle thing but it's a really important thing when you play that game especially when you're like level like seven and eight and shit when like stuff's really flying out you're like "Eh, eh." i talk like i'm a master of pac-man like have you ever seen those dudes you just like they score like a million points and you're like how the fuck do you do that (laughs) i have no idea yeah i I watched the documentary on the guy that got the perfect score in pac-man or whatever it was wow how do you get the perfect score what is the perfect score? i don't remember that detail I've said it before. I was just kind of like, it was one of those things I didn't like really like grab onto any like details of it. Just kind of watching like how insane this guy is like spending like $50 in quarters, just playing at a time. Boy, I'd imagine $50 is like a month worth of Pac-Man <laughs> for somebody who can get the perfect score though. <laughs> Uh, I've said it before in the podcast, but I will say it again. If you like talking about classic gamings, check out the King of Kong. That is might be my favorite. You know, I think the guy time. that got the perfect score was the in that documentary, King of Kong. Was he like the dude? Kind of a mullet with the, guy. Yeah, with the members only jacket. Yeah. That guy is such a douche. They like totally paint <laughs> him out to be the villain in that documentary. And I'm well aware that like they paint people's like archetypes in that to make it more interesting, which is great. It totally works. But they totally paint that guy out to be the villain. And he's such a dork, too. That's a really funny thing, is he's like the rock star of the classic game community. 
but like he wears a members only jacket. He's got a mullet, like you said. Like he doesn't go to any social gatherings. Like whenever they're doing something, he like calls up somebody else. He's like, "Oh yeah, who's there? Oh yeah, who else is there?" Like, and that's like every single time there's some sort of <laughs> gathering, he's calling up somebody asking who's there. <laughs> like, that's this whole thing. But they ha- did you see the King of Kong? Ah. Uh. I feel like I did, but I'm not. I can't really okay. back that up. First off, like it's amazing because they take all the songs from the '80s you would want in that. So like, when they like win a tournament, they're playing like "You're the Best" around. Nothing's ever gonna keep you down, and like "Eye of the Tiger" and shit like that. And uh, that guy was talking about who they paint as a villain. They have one part where. Uh, like this guy is like autistic who's the main character like the good guy if you will and uh like he sets this all-time score on donkey kong so everybody's amazed it's really funny there's this nerdy guy's watch he's like wow and he's going around this arcade in new york and he's like uh there's gonna be a kill screen in like five minutes if you want to come check it out there's a kill screen in like five minutes if you want to go check it out. Like saying it to like every single person in the arcade. Like this is something like so amazing. And he does get a crowd around him. But so the, this kid or kid like grown man like sets his all time record. And so the villain guy just sends in a videotape of him beating the record. But they show this part of the video where it just blacks out for like three seconds and cuts back on and like there's like the super high score and it's so obviously a cooked score or at least they like make it out that way in the documentary. So they just do such a good job of like just making this dude like a douche. And I've heard he's not that bad in real life, but I, I don't care. Like when you watch that documentary, it so works. <laughs> like it's so great. Cause that kid, that guy was like the kid who's on all the covers of Nintendo Power magazines and all this stuff. And so, like, he's really reliving this, like, early days of glory, which was never really early days of glory. You know what I mean? But in his world, he's, like, on top. It's it's fascinating, dude. It's really fascinating because everybody in that movie is a total loser, but you totally like you root for him and you get invested in it and like it's just fun. It's just a fun movie. I miss old games, is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I'm old as shit. So did you uh, try and get the sixty dollar classic NES? No, I don't participate in Black Friday. Well, this was pre-Black Friday. This came out about two or three weeks before Black Friday. Yeah, I heard that they didn't even make enough for the demand. Probably Not even close. Yeah, they did that intentionally, I'm sure. Yeah, because the initial price point for that is was $60 retail. Some of those on eBay are going for, like, thousands of dollars right now. It's crazy. Now... I, I've heard like it'll it'll go with your HD TV. Um, yeah. Do they have wireless controllers? Is that something they actually managed? They actually the controllers are kind of a one of the points on it that are just people don't like because they actually came with like two and a half foot cords. Ugh. <laughs> Dude, the Nintendo cords were like at least. Six, six to eight feet, feet yeah. yeah. 
So I mean, why the, the fuck would they do that? Probably to sell more controllers. So fucking, I guess the up. aftermarket for wireless controllers on them is going through the roof too. Yeah, I I'll tell you what, Nintendo, you put wireless controllers with those, and you like keep it under a hundred dollars. I'll buy a set, but not till then. Yeah, not till it's all bundled together with two of them and they're wireless. I'm just I'm not wasting my time, and it better not be that wireless shit from the '80s, because <laughs> I already sent I already got that for that might have been my most disappoint disappointing Christmas present ever that I wanted. It was so fucking disappointing. Like my brother and I asked for those for like half a year, and nobody I knew had them. And like the commercial, they show people like, yeah, and it's almost like laser. You see like laser beams coming out of the back of the controllers because they're trying to like, you know, give you the idea like, hey, this is wireless. And so we thought it would be so fucking cool. It was a sensor you had to point right at. And if you didn't point right at it, it stopped working. So no, there, like, there's a reason there was a laser beam in the commercial because you had to be laser accurate to the sensor. <laughs> no shit, dude. No shit. <laughs> Oh, it was so disappointing, man. It was the most disappointing shit. I just don't understand. I don't understand how they... Ugh, never mind. I heard they don't have any Zapper games at the, the classic console either. What's up with that shit? No. no now that? come to think of it, no, because it was just the... I, th- I think it came with two controllers. Yeah, like how is Hogan's Alley not included in this? Oh, Hogan's Alley. That was a fun game. Yeah. The other game other than Duck Hunt for the Zapper. Pretty much. <laughs> there was one that was like an Old West game. Yeah. That was kind of fun. I never played it, but I knew about it. Where's our power pad? Huh? Where's yeah. our power pad? Where's my power glove with this thing? I just once, just once, I want to like have somebody over, and like have them hit on my wife or something, and be like, "You keep your power glove off off of her." <laughs> like I just want, just once, just <laughs> once, I want a wizard situation. Oh, there's a there's one movie that will never hold up test of time. Oh, it holds up, dude. <laughs> I saw it. I saw it a couple of years. Really. Ago. It holds up in that fun, corny way. Because here's the thing about The Wizard. Um, When I saw it as a kid, I was minorly disappointed. Because, like, they advertised the Power Glove as a big thing. But it was already out for, like, a year. So it was old news. And then they talked about Super Mario Brothers 3, right? And showed the war thing. But it was out pretty quick after that movie. So it was like, once you got past it, I was like, what's left in that? You know what's left? A story about a kid who's got like, I think it's like autism actually. Like a story about a kid with autism who has gen, like, like genuinely real problems, and his brother is like helping him out, and then like finds a community of people who go to help, like, who like support his brother and make him feel like a hero. Like it's actually like a really good message for kids, and like it's got things going on with it that actually surprised me when I watched it as an adult I was like oh this actually like is a pretty good movie <laughs> like I was kind of huh. surprised but it is like so fucking corny when he's like keep your power gloves off of her <laughs> <laughs> was that the 
Was that the movie with the guy with like blue skin and the horn? No, you're thinking of Little Monsters. You're getting your Fred Savage movies mixed up. (laughs) I thought that's what I was doing in my head. Yeah, so the wizard was like Fred Savage's little brother is really, really good at Nintendo. And I think he's autistic. I don't know if they said autistic or not, but I think he's autistic. And so his brother like finds out about a Nintendo like contest. And so they basically run away from their parents and like go cross country to like <laughs> to go to a Nintendo tournament. So it's like kids fantasy too, especially in the eighties. Like how many movies did we grow up on where like kids ran away from home to go do something fun? And you always have the scene where the kids are driving and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) How do we even get here? (laughs) I think it was talking about Super Tech Mobile. (laughs) And we ended up with kids driving cross country. (laughs) Well, this is probably a good place to kill it. Did you have anything else you had? I'm good. All right, so take it easy. Keep your power glove offer. I don't actually have debates on my show. It's called That's Debatable, but I don't really have an affirmative or negative debate, really. It's not a win or loss kind of debate. The way that I've organized the show is to kind of try to talk about arguments um, as opposed to having any one argument in particular. I think talking about arguments is a fun way to have an argument. You're kind of arguing with people as opposed to necessarily against them. A Not Safe for Network podcast. Take that OD, you drink it down to the label. Yeah. You uh, get yourself a funnel from a gas station. <laughs> uh, you then pour sauce in up to where the, the malt just liquor started. Fill her back up. Mm-hmm. So you got yourself a little bit of a buzz on because you just drank about a third of a bottle of malt liquor. Put it inside yourself. Mm-hmm. Experience what we just had the absolute privilege mm-hmm. of experiencing in such a thickening. Yeah. I don't see any way that anyone's ever going to regret this. Yeah. We had a good life. When Wilford Brimley is telling you that that's what he's going to do, you're like, oh, wow, it must be aliens. It's totally because the mustache. Yeah, yeah, believe the mustache, because when he is in the thing and he is missing the mustache. Bad news. There's something about him that's not Something's right, and the characters pick off. up on it right away and they lock him away. <laughs> you know, the plot suggests it's for other reasons, but he is a man that should have a mustache, and when he doesn't, it codes for strangeness. And just all around wrongness and weirdness. The Alien Movie Project. Hi, I'm Biggs. Check out my podcast, Biggs on Film, where I do insightful commentaries on films that you love. Uh, Gort the Robot, they call him Newt. Yeah, Newt. Like like he's uh, Norwe- like, Norwegian. Yeah, <laughs> he's mostly Norwegian. Mostly. The two fancy skeletons in the back are the worst. Dude. I know, they're the best. <laughs> like, it's no wonder they lost this battle. <laughs> That's a gross-looking punching bag. Dude, oh, I'd yeah, be that worried punching... about getting Seminilla punching that bag. I think he might have... Given that punching bag salmonella. Well, every now and then it's insightful. Find us on iTunes.